I guess my other takeaway was that uh, the NBA and Bachelor Nation did a better job at stopping COVID than our government. So like, oh, good yeah. for them. <laughs> I was thinking a lot about that, too. I was like, it's very striking to see all of these men just accepting that mask wearing is a necessity, getting tested, and then there's tons of making out on this show, and no one got COVID. No one in the crew, no one in the cast. Like, it can be done, people. Yep. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. We've waited so long for this. It's finally here. Y'all, it's Claire's moment. Yes. Oh my God. It's my moment. I'm back on The Bachelorette Recap Beat. It feels like my first time. I'm just so, so excited. Uh, oh, this is awkward. Sorry, Claire. I was actually referring to Claire, The Bachelorette, Claire Crawley. Seven years after she first appeared on The Bachelor, she's finally our Bachelorette. Remember remember that, Claire? Right. Yes. Actually, that's, that's what I meant, too. Of course. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Claire by which I mean The Bachelorette, and also Claire, by which I mean myself, are diving into a Bachelorette season that looks a lot different than we expected at the beginning of the year. Quarantines, face masks, nasal swabs. Yes, if we learned one thing last night, it's that the men of The Bachelorette are much better at modeling public safety than the entirety of the Republican Party. This is true um, and incredibly troubling, but we are super excited to have one of our favorite friends of the pod on with us today to wade through this historic COVID-19 Bachelorette premiere, author, podcaster, and political commentator extraordinaire, Alyssa Mastromonaco. But first, we have a couple calls to action. If you listened to our episodes that we did over the summer, um, we were giving some calls to action to kind of engage our audience. We have a really awesome community here. We're not necessarily going to do these every single week, but we are going to throw them in when we see fit. And, uh, you know, we think that this is just like a great way to remind ourselves and remind all of you to just kind of stay engaged, stay in the fight, keep doing good. Yeah. Uh, So this week, you know, the election's approaching. If you are over 18, make sure you are registered to vote and you have a voting plan. Go to IamAVoter.com or VoteSaveAmerica.com to check your registration, sign up for election text reminders, see what's on your ballot, and make a plan to vote. We really can't overstate how much it matters that you vote if it's possible. And of course, um, we know that voter suppression still runs really rampant in the United States. Um, And so we would urge you to consider donating to organizations that are fighting against that suppression if you can. First, Fair Vote, which is a nonpartisan org fighting for proportional representation. Then the Campaign Legal Center, which fights partisan gerrymandering and focuses on issues like voting rights and campaign finance through litigation and public education, and Fair Fight, which is a great organization founded by former gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams. And you can find all of the links to those orgs in our show notes. And now our guest, Alyssa Mastromonaco. 
Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. We are so grateful for your presence on this all-important morning. You guys, what could be more important than the first batch in how many months? I know. I forgot how much joy this show brings me. I was like, oh my God, this is so wonderful. I forgot the giddiness that The Bachelorette proper can bring, especially when, you know, contrasted with uh, a day or two days of the ACB hearings. It was just like a real tonal shift that I needed personally. I mean, I have to be honest, it took me a minute to acclimate because at first I was like, (laughs) what am I doing? There are other things I should be doing right now. And then I realized after 15 minutes, there was nothing else I should be doing. What else could possibly be more important? (laughs) For me, it had sort of the the air of like a a feverish dream, like a withdrawal from Bachelor dream, because it's like it's been so long since I've watched the show for work, like with my laptop out. And then when it started airing, like everything's a little bit different. We're in a different mansion. Like the whole vibe has changed. And I'm like, am I hallucinating this weird season because I'm so desperate for more Bachelorette? But it's real. It's very real. Before we dive into like the specifics, I want you, I want to know how you guys kind of feel about that. Like new vibe, new setting. There's going to be no travel. Like, were you into it? I I loved I really liked the new mansion. Me too. <laughs> I felt like it was cooler. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't so like phony feeling. I was like, oh, I'd live here. Yeah. Well, the it's the Bachelor Mansion is a mainstay since like a different decor era almost, and a different <laughs> style era. And so when they put it in like a fancy upscale resort. Resort. Um, it just feels a little bit more contemporary. Nothing against the Bachelor Mansion, but um, that's a dif- disconnect you often see between just the Bachelor franchise shows and other non-Bachelor dating shows. And so this felt like it was bringing it into the, the current era style-wise a little bit. Also, like, I just... The, the routine of the intro packages... Is it's hard to keep that fresh. And so to have a whole new approach to the season where there's drama before the drama, you know, the, the taping gets canceled and then it's back. And Chris Harrison is telling Claire that she's the Bachelorette and then he has to tell her again. It's nice to mix things up. Um, <laughs> also, I was actually shockingly into all of the dudes like filming themselves in quarantine and like packing up with their can 95s. Like it was a much better PSA for uh, proper public health behavior than like our government. So that was refreshing. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) a, a problem with like making quarantine TV is often that it's like, how much do we actually want to watch people in quarantine um, it's what we're all doing already a lot of the time, but by really condensing it into these little like sped up montages, it just gave it a little, a little, a little flavor, <laughs> flavor of coronavirus pandemic. You're like, the answer is four minutes. I want to watch four yeah, minutes the of perfect it. And amount. Like, and then we, we move on. Um, yeah, I, I liked having a different, a different mood to the thing, but, um, it was weird watching Chris Harrison talk so much about about uh, testing and these <laughs> times we live in. 
I hope that by the time the season is over, we've heard Chris Harrison say in the before times at least once. <laughs> I don't know that I believe that Chris Harrison is like a regular mask wearer. I don't know. I'm skeptical. <laughs> well, that is the one thing, like, because they all are in a bubble, they're not going to be wearing masks for most of the show. Um, so I think the masked part of the season may be over, but, um, yeah, I think so. Um, okay. Sorry. I totally (laughs) derailed us. I just wanted big thoughts. Let's get back into from moment one in the before times where we find out that Claire, a 39 year old woman might actually be able to find love. I know it's shocking. Yeah, clearly. You guys, I got married at 38. Right in under the wire. And that, and yeah, I mean, you made it. Thank God. When I watched it, I was like, God, should I send my husband an email thanking him for <laughs> saving me from this fate that I might not have even been selected for? I think that we should all be thanking our husbands every day, you know? Um just for gracing, you know, uh, like any yeah. men in our lives, really, for gracing us with their presence. It's like a real Whether sacrifice. we met them at 29 or 39, they did save us from being a single woman <laughs> in our 40s. And that's a gift. I mean, who knows? I'm not in my 40s yet, so there's still time. <laughs> still time. <laughs> um, so Chris Harrison gives us the the rundown of everything that's happened and and intercut with this montage. I also just love how Chris always tells the future bachelor or bachelorette, like, we decided to go with you. You know, this time, by this time next year, you there's a very good chance you'll be engaged to the man of your dreams. And it's just like he's like a game show host who's like offering you a husband like with a degree of confidence that I don't really know is merited by the show's track record. It's like if you had a Mercedes and you were giving it to her, you could say with that level of confidence. But instead, it's just like, well, we'll hope for the best for Claire. No, but that's Um, the thing. He says it with such confidence because obviously she's 39. She's about to be put out to pasture. She's beginning to find a lifeline. She has to settle for what is in front of her. I mean, this is it. (laughs) <laughs> She'll definitely be engaged, but to whom? Claire is like shockingly attractive. It's it like I was disarmed by like all of the hot people on my TV screen last night. Starting with Claire. It did have like the casting feel of a very hot multicultural American psycho. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everyone was beautiful and their teeth were sparkling, like almost like a villain in a cartoon, like sparkle, sparkle. But but no, everyone was uh was very attractive and like maybe just a few too much too many like mustaches. There was some mustache. Uh well we we will get to all the various facial hair. It's quarantine. Everyone um, is growing facial hair. Yeah. Or they were they I was were gonna in, like, say June, which is what we're throwing back to now. Um, so, yeah, Claire talks about how she's always picked bad guys, um, like Juan like Pablo. Like Juan Pablo. Um, but now she's a different person. It's been seven years since she was on Juan Pablo's season. And she's ready for just a man who's going to be open and emotional and really there for her in that way. Um we also learned during her opening montage, like I was not aware of this, um, but her mom 
now has Alzheimer's that is, I guess, progressing pretty rapidly and is in a care facility. So she talked about how difficult it was that she could only see her mom through a window during quarantine. That was really Mm -hmm. heartbreaking. And I'm sure lots and lots of viewers have had a similar a similar experience the past year. Um, I mean, my my grandma's um, both lived pretty far away, so I didn't even see them through a window during um, during this spring and summer. But I know that, you know, I had family who go visit and just they'd have to to say hi through the window. And it's it's really sad um, for for both sides of that. But she also has the possibility of this joyful experience of finding love on The Bachelor, Bachelorette. And is it going to be taken away? I mean, we all know that it's not because we're watching it right now. <laughs> um, but uh, we go on this roller coaster ride with her, and then we see her and all the men heading to the resort in their masks to quarantine and get tested. We also see a montage of the men actually getting tested. With the swabs at their nose. They're huge, huge babies. Everyone was so hard on them on Twitter (laughs) about that. And I was like, I was a total baby when I got my nose swabbed. It's so uncomfortable. My eyes did water. Like, that is a very real reaction to the full, like, brain swab. See, and my reaction when I watched that whole montage was like, wow, I had COVID. I was not able to get tested because there were no tests. How are all of the bachelors and the bachelorette and sports franchises able to get tested, but real people weren't? And that's when I had to just be like, Alyssa, it's a TV show. You have to stop. But it's crazy. No, yeah. that is real. It is insane. It's, I mean, it's very telling. Obviously, like, there are certain people who have access to healthcare and tests and certain people who do not, and we live in a fundamentally unequal and unfair culture. And that is even present on The Bachelor. It is, it is. And it is, I mean, I I always thought this about the the athletes too, is, you know, we're jealous the athletes are getting tested uh, constantly, but also it's because just the owners wanna make money and the TV TV networks wanna make money, so they need these people to go out and play in insanely unsafe conditions. So they're all trying to like, make money off of these bachelor contestants and these like football players and they're like well at least we hogged all the tests for you you're welcome though i mean Um, i I guess my other takeaway was that uh the nba and bachelor nation did a better job at stopping covid than our government oh yeah (laughs) i was thinking a lot about that too i was like it's very striking to see all of these men just accepting that mask wearing is a necessity getting tested, and then there's tons of making out on this show, and no one got COVID. No one in the crew, no one in the cast. Like, it can be done, people. Yep. Watching it, the thing that actually came to mind for me was, uh, like, the, the process of entering a country that has really rigorous, like, state-run quarantines, like Australia, like, which is what I've heard <laughs> happens when you go to these countries. You they put you yeah. in a hotel room for two weeks and they give you regular tests yep. and then they they're like, Goodbye, have a wonderful time in our beautiful country. <laughs> I was like, wow, that could be all of us right now. This is a preview <laughs> of how you keep an, a nation, bachelor nation, COVID yeah. free. Uh so we do get to meet a few of these men very briefly. Um we see Bennett, who 
predictably is a finance dude from Manhattan who went to Harvard and he's very proud of dropping the H-bomb, which is like the dweebiest way to brag about going to Harvard. Like, There's no good way to brag uh, about going to Harvard. Let's yeah, but just... that was like extra bad. <laughs> he was like, I know that people hate it when you brag about going to Harvard, but I don't care. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I don't care about making a bad impression. I went to Harvard. We meet Yvonne, uh, an aeronautical engineer who plays chess with himself in quarantine. Do I they, loved Do him. they not let them have TV in quarantine? Like, I know they, well, they're not just... allowed it during the show, but it sort of seems like they aren't allowed it while they're in quarantine either. They might just not be allowed to, like, tape themselves watching television. Yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> we also meet Yosef, a single dad. That seems to be his main quality. Easy a sports marketing agent who really entertaining Garen a for real journalism professor at USC I was very impressed they got an actual adjunct journalism professor at like a real place yeah and let me tell you that is the pinnacle of what everyone is looking for in a partner is (laughs) a journalist and an academic um I mean the dream so They finally all get their results, and Chris Harrison comes to Claire's door to tell her, without a mask, which should have been a bit of a giveaway, (laughs) that she is COVID-free. And so that very night, the show begins. They're not wasting any time. Um, Claire is wearing this sort of beautiful mirror-spangled halter neck gown, and she's like, I'm... I've waited so long for this this opportunity to be the bachelorette. It's finally my time to make out with some hot men. Um, and she tells, she sits down with Chris and she tells him something that, again, I didn't know, which was that right before Juan Pablo's season, she had been in a really abusive relationship and that she went on the show partly to sort of push herself away from this relationship. Um, Which is actually, I mean, something that we hear in some form reasonably often from female contestants that they're trying to get away from a relationship that's unhealthy for them when they go on the show. Um, And she says that she's grown from all that. It's part of what's cool about having a 39-year-old bachelorette is that you do have someone who has this kind of like litany of experiences that they're bringing uh, to this one. And it was a real contrast in just the way that Claire is approaching this versus Hannah Brown, our last bachelorette, who was like obviously on the youngest kind of least experienced end of things. Um, And I was, I don't know, it was a, it was a positive contrast for me. Yeah. It's like, how can we expect 24 year olds to really be that articulate about what they want in a relationship when they've never been in love before or barely have been in love before and haven't had that opportunity to, like, really sort through their experiences. And, you know, I met my husband when I was 24, so it's not like you're necessarily too young to meet the person you're going to marry. But to, to carry a show like this, where you're going to be dissecting right. your romantic relationships and experiences a lot, it it is really helpful in that to have a lot of experience and time to think about it. The limo exits begin. Uh, first up is Ben who has her do a calming breath with him. Riley is an attorney who says she's guilty as charged. 
of looking beautiful in her dress. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good one, Riley. <laughs> I thought that was funny. It was. Uh, yeah. Um, I just love that we're getting into, you know, convicting people of things already on this on this season. Um, Zach asked for a hug many times. He's desperate for a hug. None of these people have touched anyone in half I- a year. I really felt that. I was like, this, I feel the urgency for that physical touch here, and it's relatable. I was like, I too want a hug. I even felt like the guys, after they all made their entrances and were having what I think was bottled water, we can discuss that later, but <laughs> they, I felt like they were happy to see each other. Like they were, oh, yeah. but they were also like, dude, tell me what's up. <laughs> yeah, they were like friends. I remember that human that's cool (laughs) like people are on this show are so much more uh grateful to be around other human beings than we've seen in the past and it really brings like sort of a positive vibe to the first night yeah there was a lot of discussion about how they had given up more than usual because they had to come earlier and quarantine but i was like also this is a much better deal than usual in a way because this is their only pot, like option for going on a vacation or <laughs> getting to date someone new and actually make out with them. Like what where's the downside really? This is all they're all just like I can't wait to get out of my house <laughs> and onto a plane to meet a hot woman and some dudes like that I can hang out with in the same room. And you're not missing out on anything. Like before you'd be like what am i missing all the fun times all the things happening <laughs> this time it's like no one's doing anything you're missing nothing like there's only an upside here yeah um so jordan m a cybersecurity engineer is in velvet shoes and cropped pants uh I like which Claire's into uh <laughs> it's a little on the edgier side uh, and he tells Claire, he's very tall. He tells Claire he's her tall drink of water in case the heat is, you know, making her thirsty. Um, Claire has a strategy of just kind of re- repeating what they say to her back to them in an appreciative way. So like when the guy says you're guilty as charged looking beautiful, she's like, ah, yes, guilty as charged. <laughs> and then when the guy's like, I'm your tall drink of water, she's like, you are a tall drink of water. I'm like, listen, that makes people feel heard. And I respect that. Um... Jason is wearing a fake belly uh, in homage to her Juan Pablo limo exit when she wore a pregnancy belly um, to show that he's willing to carry the weight of the relationship and the labor of their love. Um, Yvonne says, you are very beautiful to her in Tagalog, which is his mother's um, native tongue. He, uh, His mother is Filipina. Um, so I thought that was... I thought that was cute, Lovely. and Claire seemed to like it as well. Yeah. Uh, Kenny is a boy band manager, and <laughs> he went the extra mile by getting a T-shirt printed with her dogs on it, Claire's dogs, and she does the very seductive thing of, can I pet my dogs, which is just an excuse to pet his abs. She's and he very obliges. subtle about that. I didn't know that people were still boy band managers, which, I mean, I know there are still boy bands, and yet the idea of being a boy band manager feels very it, 90s to me. It really does. Guys, you are much younger than I am. Who are these boy bands you speak of? I have no idea. 
The only um, ones that I'm thinking of are British and Korean, but right. So maybe that's the problem. Oh, he's guys, American. Um, Who's he managing? So Robert Mills tweeted that the boy band that Kenny manages is Baby Fat. Baby Fat. Yeah, I'm not familiar. Wait, wasn't Baby Fat Kamora Lee Simmons brand yes. of clothing? Yeah, I'm really confused. <laughs> I'm Googling Listen, now. it's a really a good play on words, so you've got to expect multiple people to be using that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm very confused about who yeah. these people are, but um, that's according to to Rob Mills. He so says, it's not... It's, it's not... Uh, like it's not it's not the clothing brand okay nor is it like 98 degrees nor is it making a bts if it was bts i'd be impressed oh that well then they (laughs) said the name like that's like a legit job um wow so uh then we meet brandon a roofer who is wearing a bow tie i love his his bow tie it was very cute (laughs) i was on board uh, Mike, a digital media advisor, brought her jeweled flip-flops um, because he knew her feet would get tired. So he's he's like, I'm the guy who's like that Rubbermaid bucket next to the band stage at a wedding. That's me. <laughs> no? Am I the only one who goes to weddings like that? Yes. It's yes. great. It is great. It's great. It's always my favorite thing to see at a wedding. Um, Jeremy is a banker. That's all I wrote about him. So clearly a winner. Tyler C. shows up in a station wagon with suitcases on top to show that he's packed up his life for her. I'm just going to say this is a significantly um, less successful in Bachelor Nation, Tyler C. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's tough to be compared to Tyler Cameron. Um, I think that the showing up in a car... um, that symbolizes your future together. I blame Garrett for that. It was so successful for him um, with the minivan and not as successful for Tyler C., let's just say. Uh, Bennett really shows him up. But, like, does Claire really want a guy in a white Rolls Royce? No. In black tie with a white silk scarf? <laughs> Guys, the scarf was so bad. You guys, he is what was he is what triggered me to be like, oh my god, Bateman from American Psycho. <laughs> when you said that, I was like Bennett. Yeah. <laughs> he he's he watched American Psycho and he was like, This is uh aspirational. <laughs> yeah, he's like all of the men um that watched Wall Street and were like, Oh, greed is good. <laughs> I got the right message from this. <laughs> Uh, Blake Moines is a wildlife manager. Um, Chris is a landscape design salesman. And he takes a deep breath and he says to her, they never said it would be easy. They just said it would be worth it. And Claire's like, I don't even know what to say to that. She's like, yeah, yes. Yes, they (laughs) did say that. Who? They. They They definitely did. What's it? Who knows? Um, AJ comes out in a Merlot suit and a black shirt and he says my friends tell me I make a really bad first impression so I hope that won't be true as he's saying this he squeezes her hands incredibly hard Claire goes ow and pulls her hands away and he does not seem to notice at all not at all poor little AJ he's 
so cute. And then he just like really digs his own grave very quickly. I was like, are you going to like, are you paying attention to her at all? She's wincing in pain, like 12 inches from your face. Um, Apparently he cut her with her rings. Um, So not a good start for AJ. Joe uh, is an anesthesiologist and he comes out wearing a stethoscope and says he's here to save her life, her love life. <laughs> no, nothing. No one liked that. I was into <laughs> Joe. I thought he was cute. And I felt like, see, here's the thing. At this point, I was like, we've talked a lot about how old she is at 39. So the here to save her love life thing, I was like, I don't know. I thought it was too much. Oh, yeah. That's oh, a good point. yeah. I didn't even consider that. Yeah, see, that's because I'm over 40. <laughs> yeah, no, that's kind of annoying. But I thought Joe was cute. I also was very pleased to see that there was like a real critical mass of New York City area guys. Yeah, which we're always it's looking unusual. for. We're always looking for so that we can have people on the podcast easily. Um, so how nice that it's finally happening this season when no one can come into our office <laughs> anyway. Um, Garen, the journalism professor, uh, is here to have an adventure, uncontroversial. Uh, Robbie is an insurance broker who's like, you're very beautiful. At this point, I was like, I can't handle this. These intros are too boring. I have no memory of Robbie. I didn't remember there was a Robbie. I did a lot of rewinding because I missed people. Um, But this is when they, they cut together all of the more dramatic entrances. First, uh, Uzoma, who goes by Easy, a sports marketing agent, jumps through one of those paper banners that they have at high school football homecoming games. Uh, He's wearing a pink suit. The return of the salmon jacket. Yes. (laughs) Um, And he says, you'll always be my number one draft pick. I really enjoyed him. Oh, he's fantastic. Funky. I thought he had a sense of humor. He was good style. Edgy. Definitely. I was like, I really, I got excited when I saw him, and I hope he makes it, you know, as far as anyone's going to make it this season. I think yeah. that he's going to do, like, at least decently well. Like, I think he's a character that we're going to see return, even if he, you know, doesn't end up with either Bachelorette. Yeah, you already see him stepping into the role of, like, doing a little exposition. Exactly. Which means production finds value <laughs> in having him <laughs> on, which is good. Um and next we meet Jay, a fitness director, who's wearing a straitjacket because he's gone crazy in the hundred plus days since they were supposed to meet. Um, can't say I loved seeing someone in a straitjacket. No, no, no. Mental, mental health is not something we joke about. Yeah. And, you know, I it's one of my own personal, like, areas that I'm always trying to work on because it's very difficult to break myself of the habit of saying that something is like psycho or crazy. Um, but to actually put on a straight jacket and it's to be like, this far. will be cute. Um, I think that we have to really pay attention to, to what that, what message that sends. This is also coming off of, you know, us seeing Claire have a, like a really candid conversation with Chris Harrison where she's like, I've done a lot of work on myself. I've done like a lot of therapy and like been like very open in a way that I loved about mental health. And then we're like, and here's a joke. And then he stays in the straight jacket all night. 
Like, why? Yeah. I also just find Straightjackets viscerally upsetting in a way that's, like, not only is he yeah. making a joke out of mental illness, but it's a sort of barbaric, like, a callback to, like, a sort of barbaric era of mental health treatment. Like Nurse Ratchet vibes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's not good. It's, it's certainly really... not sexy. Let's <laughs> No. No. Um, and yet, things go better for Jay than we might hope, but um, perhaps that was a producer choice. Um, and then Chasen arrives wearing a full suit of armor over his suit. He takes it all off, and then he says, you, you want a guy who can be open? Well, I just shredded my armor for you. <laughs> I think he was going for shed. Shed. Yeah, I was going to say, shred seems like the wrong choice of words. There was no shredding of the metal. It um, looked but really But he did heavy. take it off. Yeah. I'm sure it was. Um, we then meet Damar, a spin instructor, who arrives dragging a parachute because he's fallen for her already. Damar was cute. These guys, I was just like taken aback by how cute all of them were. It was a cuter than average bunch, I'd say. Uh, then Ed, a healthcare salesman who rolls up in a plastic bubble, you know, a reference to the quarantine bubble. Yosef brought her moon pies from Mobile, Alabama, which are not Thin Mints and are not cookies. He's very serious about the proper terminology for his snacks. This caused a lot of uh, discussion in the house about whether they were cookies. I think this was just a transparent ploy to get the Moon Pies account on Twitter to engage with him. (laughs) Like, major bid for clout. Like, he wants to be a Moon Pies influencer. I see what's going on, you know? Like respect for the hustle but we all know we all know that moon pies has a lot of clout um jordan c brings her movie theater popcorn um at this point Easy's like i thought this was gonna be a cocktail party to meet claire but it's turning into a potluck i don't think these guys are serious i thought that see it's just like my love for him grew my love for him grew Oh, Easy Easy is fantastic. He has great one-liners. And also, like, I do respect the men that literally brought their own snacks. This is a long night of filming. Like, you don't know how much food's going to be available. Also, I mean, who doesn't realize that the way to a woman's heart is through her stomach? You know, that's that's a gender-neutral proposition. Um, Zach J. kneels and opens a ring box... <laughs> Inside is a toy of uh, a mooning butt and a fart noise. Uh, So that's something that happened. (laughs) Um, I don't know how easy could take away the impression that these people are not serious about love. (laughs) Nothing is more serious than a box of farts. A box of farts. Um, Brandon, a real estate agent... Uh, is next out of the limo. Very unmemorable. Dale, uh, at this point, exits the limo, and he gets the full romantic key shift in the music. You can hear, like, the strings swelling as he smiles his big smile at her and walks over to her and, like, lifts her off the ground with his hug. And Claire just looks like you can see the the heart She's in shaking. her eyes. I've never She's, seen anything like this on the show. Neither did like, Chris Harrison. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
She just, as you said, Claire, she looks totally blown away, totally smitten. And so does he. Like, you could feel that sort of, like, frisson between them. And after Dale walks off into the house and she's like, yeah, see you later. Definitely see you later. Can't wait to see you later. <laughs> she she takes some really deep breaths and is, like, muttering under her breath almost. And she says, I knew it. I definitely feel like I just met my husband. Which is like a very intense reaction to have to someone. And also um, was just an incredible cue that she has like Instagram stalked the shit out of all of these men. Which is the most 2020 thing to do. Like I would have done it too. Um, And according to Reality Steve, they like did not talk beforehand. So all of those rumors are allegedly false. Um, But she obviously had like checked out her guys. Which who wouldn't at this who stage? Wouldn't? You oh my god! Have nothing else to do but exactly. I say, when Dale walked out, I was like, he has Damn. to be it because Damn. no one can be hotter than him. Like, he's nobody. so hot. It he's was so hot. I think I said like on Twitter last night he was like disarmingly hot. Like my breath was taken away. I th- I thought it was just interesting that you know we we know that often. The first night, someone makes a huge impression. Often that ends up being the person that the Bachelorette picks. Uh, there's a pretty solid track record of the Bachelorette ending up with her first impression, Rose Guy. What really got me was that Claire was just like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I should be, like, hiding this for narrative purposes. We're trying to make a show here. And instead, I'm just going to be like, oh, I knew it. Like, I had that guy picked out in advance, <laughs> and now I know he's going to be my husband. And I'm just going to say that on camera. I was like, Claire, like, do you know what's going it. on right now? They're here to make an entire season of television. She's just like, yeah, Chris, I don't care. I'm 39. I know what I want. I know when I feel the feeling. Aside from the fact that her skin uh, does not look like the average 39-year-old, uh, she is going to do more for the over 35 crowd than anyone ever because they're going to be like, oh, my God, I used to think that women over 35 were boring. But now I just realized they're zero fucks kind of gals. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. I mean, it's so much more entertaining that she's just willing to say whatever, although it turns out perhaps to be damaging for the show's formula um, to the point like Chris just wanders up to her and is like, uh, He's like, did uh, you just say that (laughs) yeah what did you just say like are you sure about that and she's like oh yeah everything around me went dark when I saw him I'm 39 I know what I want I know this feeling it's Dale basically and Chris is like we have some more guys for you to meet she's like yeah yeah yeah, of course I want to meet everyone don't even worry about it happy to meet everyone in this way like she's at a cocktail party like just a normal cocktail party and she's like no we'll circle back later but like I have to mingle (laughs) It's like, she's not, she's like, none of these guys are contenders, really. We're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, a whole lot more on the premiere of Claire Crawley's Bachelorette season. Next up is Paige, a chef from Texas, who maybe suffers a bit from following Dale, but I don't think seems like her type. Uh, Tyler S. is a music manager. Not to be confused with a boy band manager. No, he manages music. Yeah, very different professions. Yes. 
Uh, and Claire is like, I'm trying to be present, but like, Dale, 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 Dale. <laughs> My head is full of Dale. Um, apparently there are 31 guys. I can't even keep track of whether we saw all I don't of them know. It's that. fine. Like, seven of them are going home. This whole season is going to be a shit show. We don't need to name all of them. <laughs> uh, um, but I will say that overall, I was, like, very impressed by the crop of men that they cast. I was like, is this what happens when you, like, actually try to care about diversity? Actually try to cast men over the age of 25? Actually cast men who are, like have had real work experience and are passionate about their careers and do a real like a different array of things like it was just a really interesting group of men who were like very hot and there were not like an abundance of lily white you know 26 year old software salesmen from the midwest (laughs) and i was happy about that yeah it it was a dynamic bunch yeah yeah yeah, and you have to, like, part of me was, like, have have they been holding these guys back? Like, could they have been casting guys like this the whole time? Did they make a special effort for Claire? Um, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I also wonder if they were able to attract a different pool of guys because they had a bachelorette who wasn't 24. Um, someone who they had, like, who men might have some familiarity with, might have some... Uh, actual basis for thinking that they're at similar stages in their life um, to get some like more mature, successful men on the show. And that that was kind of cool. It was also cool watching them in the room, just like cavelling over how hot she was. And (laughs) most of them were younger than her, which is not a dynamic we see often. No, there was no one that was her age. Yeah, most of the guys are in their low 30s maybe I think, I think there the was median a handful, age is around 30 there were a handful of like 38 year olds I thought there it's definitely definitely an older group on average than the usual bachelorette crop but by no means as old as Claire um no but like Ed is 36 Paige is 37 I'm just looking Joe is 36 so Mike is 38 Jeremy's 40 I mean Zach is 36 So, yeah, not exactly her age, but, like, Kenny's 39. At least they made, like, somewhat of an effort. And when there have been bachelors who are around that age, most of the women are, like, 26. 23. But but it was cool to me to see a a group of men who are younger than, than her just be really excited by what a beautiful, successful woman they're meeting instead of, you know, there being one solitary 31-year-old in the room who is being ignored because there's a 22-year-old on the other end of the couch. Um, It's a pretty pretty different um, spectacle than we usually see. uh, And I think that that has some value. Um, And she, at this point, comes in and greets all the guys and tells them that she woke up that morning and she knew it could be the last morning that she was alone and presumably because the show would be starting and she wouldn't be in quarantine anymore but also you know she could meet her husband she's like I think I see my husband in the room Dale it's like Dale (laughs) she's like it's Dale (laughs) it's more of like a where's Waldo thing than like an actual dating process it's like can anyone spot my husband in the room like I've hidden him in the corner um 
and she starts meeting the guys. Did anyone's uh, time with her stand out to either of you? Um, I thought her dynamic with Easy was really sweet. Uh, I like that they, you know, talked about her dogs and they talked about their families. And he says he's like a real mama's boy. Um, And, you know, Claire really candidly brings up her mother's Alzheimer's and dementia and, and seems really comfortable just, you know, speaking about real things pretty quickly. And I thought that that was cool. It felt like a little bit different than the normal um, kind of rote first night banter that we usually see. It was like, she's, again, like she's not fucking around. She's just having real conversations. Obviously, she also sits and talks with Dale because Dale is her husband. (laughs) She's like, I have to make a little time for my spouse for a moment. Yeah. Excuse me, please. His smile is just like, woo. I mean, he just seems like, I don't know, just great. The one convo she had that I like was I a little edge of my seat was with, uh, what was it, Blake M., the one who mm-hmm. she commu- he reached out to her. I was genuinely oh, like, yeah. this is, where is this going? Like, this is, I'm like, what has happened here? And then it seemed much more, like, I thought she was going to send him home for contact. Like, I thought what she was saying was, it really meant so much to me that you reached out to me during quarantine when it was a really tough time for me, but it was against the rules. And I was like, oh my God, she's sending him home. But she didn't. Yeah, that was really some, a little like, I felt like Claire was doing a little production work there. She was like, I'm going to give you guys a little tenterhook moment. Sort of like when a guy gets to proposal day and he picks his winner and he starts out by being like, but... I don't have to say goodbye instead. And you're like, when he says, but you're like, oh my God, he's sending her home. Or she thinks that. And instead he's saying, I don't have to say goodbye because I'm choosing you. Like she's like doing a little bit of that here. Um, But night one, which I appreciated. And, you know, I liked the little like, you know, breaking of the, you know, sort of the veneer of production and being like, yeah, we, she's like, yeah, you know, we have these, like, weird rules for the show. Like, I sort of loved hearing someone just say that. Like, there are these rules that have no basis in (laughs) real life, but we're supposed to follow them. And, like, you reached out, and it was a really hard time because quarantine sucks, and I was dealing with a lot, and it was, like, really nice to hear from you. Um, I think Blake is someone who's going to go pretty far. I think he's going to do well. I think we're going to see him around. During the, like, two weeks of Claire's season. Well, and perhaps I, I don't know. I think I, I also was one, found myself wondering because um, obviously this is edited after the whole thing has played out. And so I did wonder, like, some of the men that they're choosing to highlight early on um, could also be major players in Tasha's part of the season. So I'm That's kind true. of curious to see whether, like, Blake, you know, becomes someone who's like a character throughout and easy as well. Oh, yeah. that's good. I had not considered that. That is a very good point. Yeah, I hadn't either. And it's hard to tell because they always try to mislead you a little bit by giving like a yeah. big intro package to someone who goes home night one. So we'll have to see. Um, I think Blake gets the first kiss. He does. He's like, she's saying that I did a good thing. Time to make my move. Um, <laughs> and she's like, uh, okay, sure. Let's go with that. Um Meanwhile, uh, there's some drama brewing with 
Tyler C and Yosef, who Claire's right. been calling Yo. Well, I, it sounds like he said people call me Yo. Ah, uh, yeah. That that was my assumption because he seemed to like respond to that as a nickname. Um, so I feel like they just cut him saying that to her. <laughs> I just always found it. I found it kind of abrupt at first because it's also just like an informal way that you get someone's attention. <laughs> She's and like, yo, I was like, yo, okay, yo. that's a little abrupt. Um, I did so, not like Yosef's energy. I'm just going to say that. There was a lot of weird, weird aggro feeling surrounding him. Yeah, I mean, what what was going on with his energy? I feel like it was sort of a, definitely some sort of like car salesman energy mixed with oh, extreme yes. as the father of a daughter energy. I think it was the daughter stuff. It was shady. It felt shady. It's like, and that was even before we knew what we were going to find out. But like, there was just something about him that seemed like he was, I don't know, like creeping. He seemed like a creeper. He also seemed like very uh, put together in almost a false way. And I think that often we see that on the show. Obviously, people are like performing for the cameras. How could you not to some extent? But um, it felt I felt less of that energy in general among this group of guys. I don't know if it's just because, as we said before, they were just, like, genuinely excited to be around humans. Um, But Yosef felt, like, very prepared. And Mm -hmm. it always sort of, like, sends up red flags for me when a man is, like, uses his, you know, being a parent and specifically being a parent to a daughter as, like, proof of some sort of inherent goodness like I understand relationships I know how you should be treated because I and my genetic material created another little girl like I don't know it gave me a weird (laughs) vibe yeah I mean what he says to Claire when he sits down with her is you know, whenever I had my daughter, which is such a weird way to phrase it. I was like, do you not know when you had your daughter? Like, that seems like pretty basic information. He's like, whenever I had her, I realized that like, you know, I, I need to really be a good person for her. I need to be like a good model for her. And then he says to Claire, and I need to show you how a woman is treated as well. That was uncomfortable. Like she might (laughs) know as a woman how she should be treated. She's, like, have we not realized she's 39? She has come to play. Like, she does not need anyone. It's almost like he totally misread what was happening yeah. by saying, Girl, I'm going to show you how you should be treated. She's like, Bitch, I'm here because I know how I should be treated. Like, I wouldn't have come back if I didn't know how I should be treated. So, anyway, yeah, everything yes. about him rubbed me the absolute wrong way. Imagine telling Claire that you're going to show her when she has been on the record many times being like, My father showed me how a woman should be treated when I was a little girl. And so I know that already. Before he passed away, leave <laughs> right. the room, yo. But that's the thing about Yosef, I think, is that he has like that manufactured suaveness that men put on when they go on the show, and it's not specific. To Claire and it doesn't feel authentic to him either and maybe that's kind of what we're picking up picking on. up on yeah and you know then Tyler C apparently um has some information it's it, I'm gonna say <laughs> the information, information was a, a little bit of a letdown but <laughs> apparently 
Apparently, I it was someone. Be so good. I know. Yes. We he were all like, like, "We found. were rooting for you, Tyler C." He's like, "I found some big stuff out," and the thing he found out turns out to be during quarantine, Yosef messaged someone <laughs> on that's, Instagram. That's which it. like is not that weird. I mean, it did sound sort of weird and creepy that he like sent what seems to be like a mass video out to young women saying like good morning beautiful which is just like lame as fuck (laughs) so i guess that they maybe have some mutual friends i think they're both from a similar area um well i think yosef's from alabama and tyler's from morgantown west virginia oh so they're totally so they're not yeah they do have but i guess like a friend of a friend of his got a message from this guy knew that tyler was going on the show and probably reached out and was like uh tyler this is weird i'm like getting dms from a guy who's gonna be on the show with you which like is a thing that a friend would let another friend know yeah, but, like, that's not suspicious. It's not a smoking gun. Like, if you get that information um, through a tip line, you know, you're not publishing the story right away. You're sitting <laughs> on that until you have a little bit more, at least. Exactly. I mean, it, I get I get it because if I'm Claire, I probably don't want to marry a guy. Who, like, I don't want to marry a guy who would send out a message like that. You're like, I am Claire, really and I do not want. <laughs> as Claire. <laughs> yeah, as Claire. Um, but yeah, it's not really something you can like accuse someone of doing. Something you can accuse someone of doing. But also, no. he was he got the nickname Minnie McConaughey, <laughs> which confused me for two reasons. One, it's like, wait, I'm like, wait, is he the one from Texas? No, he was not from Texas. And also, like, don't ever talk about Matthew McConaughey <laughs> as some basic snitch. Like, no, 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 no. Matthew McConaughey would never do such a thing. Never. He would never. If, if he had been playing bongos or was like in a Lincoln commercial, maybe. <laughs> but don't you, oh, Matthew McConaughey, talk about age appropriate for me. He has been my TV boyfriend since college. So don't do that. <laughs> Guys, I did rewatch The Wedding Planner recently, and <laughs> Matthew McConaughey's charm holds up. Here's the thing. That's before he started tending to his hair loss. If you go back in time to A Time to Kill with Ashley Judd, there's no one hotter than Jake Brigands. Thank you for coming to my Matthew McConaughey TED Talk. He does. There's something about it that is uh, maybe, Tyler, that is reminiscent of the Wedding Planner era when they were trying to turn Matthew McConaughey's, like, weed-soaked, like, lazy charm into like he's scrubbed up and wearing a tight suit and he (laughs) loves his glasses and being a doctor like maybe but no like it's it's he's not a mcconaughey type gotta let that go uh (laughs) yosef uh uh is confronted directly by tyler because tyler's like i'm gonna be a man and go (laughs) go to him first um unclear what he expected to accomplish with that though because what's going to happen in his mind? Yosef's going to be like, yes, I did that. I'm going to eliminate myself from the show now out of respect. Yeah, it's just like, again, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the smoking gun he really needed. Although I, I did think it was a good move if he was going to confront him at all to just go to him rather than go right to Claire. He's like, I'm now going to go to Claire. Uh, and I actually loved seeing Claire like 
pull them both aside because she just clearly is not into either of them. And she's like, okay, what did I hear? You said this. You said this. This. Okay. I, you know what, guys? Um, glad you brought this to my attention, but I'd like to speak to other people. Not that into either of you. Why don't you stay and keep <laughs> fighting? I'm going to go. Yeah, Yo- Yosef tries to uh, go to the teacher, as it were. Like, he's like, I'm not going to have this fight with you. I'm going to go tell Claire that you're doing this. And Claire's like, all right, let's sit both of you down. You say your part. You say your part. All right. There's nothing more I can do here. So go <laughs> back to having your fight that you wanted me to intervene in. I don't care. I um, love that she did say to Yosef, is there a girl out there who thinks she's your girlfriend? Is she going to pull up? She's like, I've seen this show. I've been on this show like four times. Like, I I think in her mind, she's just sort of like, yeah, neither of these guys are anywhere near my guy. Their production, whatever. Like, I'm going to get back to my shit. I was going to say, I feel like she was like, good, one down. (laughs) Like, let's, let's eliminate as fast as possible and get to Dale. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, she's like, you guys can have a fight and production can do whatever they want with that while I do the polite thing and speak to as many of my guys as possible. She ultimately, of course, pulls Dale for her first impression, Rose. I mean, duh. Duh. And Blake was devastated. Yeah. I mean, he was the only other one who even had like a vague chance at that Rose. Um, but I, I look, have to think she that she gave him the special appreciation sit down so that she didn't have to give him the first impression <laughs> rose. She was like, I can't give you the first impression rose because I'm not suddenly in love with you. That's someone else. But I can thank you publicly and give you a kiss. And that will have to do. Um, and she still doesn't get to talk to everyone. I mean, I guess she had 31 guys. Um it's full broad daylight by the time they're doing exit interviews. Um, so the amount of time. This was a long that, ass night. And yet she still didn't talk to everyone. I mean, it just sounds like a nightmare to me, like to be the bachelorette at one of these uh, opening night cocktail parties. Also, Alyssa, it's interesting that you pointed out the water because none of these dudes seemed like super drunk at all. Yeah. So it's like. I did not go back and rewatch the whole thing, which, you know, I normally do, but my Wi-Fi wasn't working. And so, but I was like, wait, they all have water bottles. And I noticed that she had a glass with ice cubes and what I think was a lime, but it didn't feel, I was like, is this some marathon session? And then when they get to the rose ceremony, it's definitely daylight out. And guys, I couldn't, I thought it was interesting that they didn't try to like hide that it was daylight. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I felt like they, like it probably had been before when we watched it, but they let us see it this time. And I was like, I thought it was great. I was like, let's stop lying. Let's just (laughs) do the truth. Yeah, I agree. I'm on board. Transparency now. I think it's been slipping later and later because in earlier seasons, I feel like it would be dawn would be breaking as you saw the guys leave the mansion. It was like 10 a.m. noon during those exit in the moments like oh, the yeah. sun was not just up no no um, no it was not I mean, you get 31 guys in there uh it's gonna take a while um and i yeah i didn't pick up on the the water thing i don't know if they didn't drink any alcohol but it definitely seemed like they were paced better at minimum so we get to the roses uh and all the dudes who didn't get time are like send tyler and yosef home apparently that fight 
must have taken like, you know, 45 minutes or an hour of filming. Like these things always drag on and like the other dudes are pissed. Yeah, a lot of them didn't get to talk to her and they think it's a result. But I also think it's really funny how when these conflicts happen, like it's almost like the fight is like a contaminant. They're like, the fight has touched Tyler. The fight has touched Yosef. Like, they both must go home. Like, no time to ascertain guilt. It's like, the the bad energy is on them both. Just brush them out. Brush them out the door. <laughs> um, meanwhile, straitjacket guy still has a straitjacket on. Like, bad move, oh, buddy. God. I don't know what that is Why about. did he get a rose? Why? I don't know. I, I feel, like, sort of strongly that he's going to go home, like, before Claire does. So, like, soon. I mean, I hope there was just something about him. I just, oh, he, like, wasn't funny. His joke wasn't funny. And he didn't even take his jacket off for the rose ceremony. So it was, like, weird and uncomfortable to watch that go down. I didn't like it. I didn't like it at all. I wonder if he had a plan for when he had one-on-one time with her to, like, have her take it off or something. And then when he never got time with her. (laughs) It's, like, flop on her like a baby seal. Like, what? (laughs) Yeah, to be, like, you know heal me of my you know I I don't know what his plan was regardless of what it was it was bad but she has to put the rose on his straitjacket um, because very that's weird what he's energy uh, so Dale already has a rose roses go to Blake Moynes first so that's I guess his like pity first impression it's like it's his second impression rose yeah. um, easy Ben Riley, Zach J, Tyler S, Joe, Jason, Damar, Chasen, Jordan C, Blake Monar, Kenny, Brendan, Garen, Ed, Bennett, Zach C, J, Brandon, Yvonne, and the final rose, of course, to Yosef, because they weren't going to send that bad energy home uh, right away. I think they should have kept both of them or neither, to be honest. I think they should have kept both. I think they should have kept both. I... I also, like, I have a feeling that Yosef's bad energy might come back around soon. Like, we keep seeing that thing in the promo where she's, like, yelling in a fight with one of them. And it's, I think it might have been Yosef. Yeah, maybe they're banking on him being the real source of bad vibes yeah. that, can, that can get a villain edit. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, also, like, why does Yosef think that he and Claire are Barbie and Kent. That was gross. Um, because he's completely smooth down under. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> yeah, know he's like, these guys. I have absolutely no <laughs> genitals. We're just like Barbie and Ken. As the father of a daughter, he misunderstands <laughs> aspirational. <laughs> I'm sure he wants his daughter to be just like Barbie and Mary Ugh. Ken as the daughter, as the father Ew. of a daughter. Um, uh, going home... I didn't even catch everyone who's going home. Mike, who seemed sweet and brought the flip-flops. Chris, Paige, the chef, who really thinks it's unfortunate um, that Claire didn't meet her husband, which he's pretty sure is the case because he didn't get a chance to speak with her. And it's sad for Claire. Yeah, it's he really sad her for to meet Claire. Her husband, <laughs> but she's doing this wrong, and she's just simply not going to meet a life partner this way. Um, and Tyler C., of course. Um, Paige also opens his shirt to show that he has like a a tattoo of a heart of an I guess it's supposed to be of an open heart 
Um, It was just, like, look, I love more tattoo representation on this show. Um, But this was, like, a real, like, Casey call vibes of, like, the serve and protect weird (laughs) tattoo symbolism. like, I got an open heart for you. Yeah. Like, ugh. Yeah. Um, And an unfortunate mini mustache. Oh, bad facial hair. Very bad. Um. I was a little bit sad about the flip-flop guy. He was, like, sweet and had, like, a good beard and was from Canada. So I was I was kind of rooting for him. But, you know, say la vie. Yeah. Yeah, same. But, I mean, it's the Dale and Claire show at this point. Everyone else is, is just for, you know, decoration at this point. Uh, anyone else that you guys are looking forward to watching during the journey to come? I enjoyed Joe, the anesthesiologist. I think he was very handsome. Oh, I I agree. Mm. I thought he was so cute and like a good age from New York. Like I, <laughs> he wore a, a bow tie, which I'm just into. I hope, I don't know. I hope he sticks around for a little bit. Yeah. What, what we see in the preview suggests that things go pretty badly <laughs> with almost all of the guys very soon because um it seems like they all walk out at some point um i have a feeling think- that that is that might be after chris harrison is like claire's gone yeah that makes sense and they're like the 15 because if, if it's only 15 of them like from what i've heard claire makes it through a few rose ceremonies so she's mm. probably gonna leave around the 15 guy mark um, we're probably going to get a couple more weeks of her and then switch out to Tasha. You know what? I think this is going to be like kind of an amazing twist. I'm really interesting to see how the some of these guys course correct and sort of like shift their affections to Tasha. I think it's going to I think it's going to be tough for Tasha. Um, but also like it's a good twist and we get two bachelorettes, both of whom are pretty great. And, you know, aren't 22. So, like, I'm on board. Yeah, I hope the Tasha thing um, is not too rough. I yeah. I would like her to have a legitimate Run. chance. I agree. At, yeah. Um, and see, given that it seems like Clara is going to be around for a couple of weeks, that gets trickier and trickier with every week that goes by. Um, as I think she's just left with Claire's guys, the guys that Claire's picked. Um, I hear that they bring a couple more people in. Okay. That we haven't yeah. seen, but it's mostly just like her guys. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, that's honestly, that is how it works. Like some guys are just desirable and any woman <laughs> would marry them and the rest are out of luck, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> that's what this show's about. They usually don't cast very specifically for the lead anyway. No, there's like two people cast for the lead and mostly they're like, who, like, find us some like attractive men who are generally seem potentially desirable, but like mostly would make good TV. So like, you know what? Eh. Yeah. (laughs) It's television, guys. It's It's television. Um, Alyssa, do you have any other takeaways from this episode? No. I mean, well, if I'm being honest, you guys, I definitely misunderstood the ABC trailers. And I thought that Claire was gone like last night. 
So at 9.50 p.m. Eastern, I was like, wait, there's only like 10 minutes left. What's happening? (laughs) How are they going to pull this off? What is happening? But no, I was just like, I was pleasantly surprised after I got over my angst at like (laughs) their testing bubble and all that stuff. I was like, wait a minute, shake it off, shake it off. Um, But no, I also felt like this season was maybe more politically split in terms of the contestants. Like, Mm. I feel like we might have some Trumpers. We may also have some never Trumpers. We may have some Biden supporters in this group. Oh, I think we do. Don't you think so? Like, you know, Dale is definitely voting for Biden. (laughs) I mean, there were a lot of men of color, and I'm just going to venture a guess that like, a lot of them are not supporting Trump. Just gonna guess. Uh, it felt less Trumpy than your average group. And also, um, I did check, and Claire is a registered voter. So, <gasps> oh, see, that's good. so good. Yeah, but yeah I thought yeah. That, that was. I was like, oh, okay. So no, I, uh, I'm just very excited, you guys. I'm excited to see you both. I'm excited to be back. <laughs> making yes. friends we missed you oh god i just uh it's it's good I'm, it's a little normalcy right we're just let's see what well let's see what happens with old claire yeah <laughs> let's let's hope things go well i mean it seems like she might be exiting the show right around election day so there'll there's be gonna a be a lot of trauma happening. on every level so <laughs> yeah it's gonna be too much for my soul to take but um But yeah, I'm curious. We've already seen like more openness from Claire about her life than we see from a lot of bachelorettes and and more kind of realness instead of just being like, I'm real. I'm just like a real raw person. She's literally just like, let me sit down and tell you about what's going on in my family and how that's affected me. And so, you know, we could see that in other aspects of, of the conversations. I hope that we see some amount of acknowledgement of politics happening um, of what's going on in the country remains to be seen. Very good chance that it won't happen because we know ABC uh, typically likes to leave that out of the final edit. Um, but so far, I, I really liked what I saw. So can't wait for next week. And Alyssa, it was so good to discuss this with you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you so much, so for, much joining for joining us. This was a real delight. Ah, same here, guys. And now it's time for Feminism Fails. Back to our true form, Claire. Oh, yes. Uh, Let me just say, it's been like a year since I've done this format of the show. And it's like, I feel like I'm on training wheels again, but I'm excited. It feels good. I feel like I just put on like my most comfortable pair of jeans and they just like, fit real nice. And I feel very comforted uh, by the return to some sense uh, of normalcy here on this podcast. So are yeah. you endorsing wearing hard pants during this time? You know what? I'm sorry. I should have said it. my most comfortable pair of stretchy leggings and or joggers. OK, there we go. Um So first, uh, we mentioned this already, the heavy stress on Claire's age, specifically the idea that at 39, this is her last chance at love. Um, I mean, this is something that Claire obviously feels. It's something Claire said. And it's true that being The Bachelorette at 39 is different in a lot of ways from being The Bachelorette at 24. And we talked about that. 
Um, but it does make me really sad that she's been given the message that she's running out of time to, to find love, that that message is being conveyed to people who are in the audience of The Bachelorette, that like this is sort of a Hail Mary for her, um, which, you know, is not a pressure that men feel. And I, I would hope that women didn't feel either like they expire when they're 40. Um, I certainly don't think that's the case. So we're going to give that a four. Uh, and then, you know, Yosef uh, very brazenly tells Claire that he's going to teach her how a woman is meant to be treated as though, you know, all of her life experiences and her desires um, have not taught her that <laughs> uh, as though like she doesn't know herself well enough to know how she wants to be treated and should be treated uh, especially given as we spoke about the fact that she's like been quite explicit on that point and spent a lot of time both on the show and off talking about how much her life experiences um, and her prior relationships both you know among her family and and romantically have taught her how she wants and deserves to be treated so we're gonna give that one a four as well it's just like an incredibly condescending thing to say to someone um, especially to someone like Claire and it feels like this, just this like very retrograde sexist way of of thinking about, um, you know, straight women's desires as though they are things that that need to be taught by like a good man coming into her life and and just opening her eyes to something that she could have never known before. Yeah, and you might think that uh, a woman like Claire uh, or any woman doesn't need a man to teach her about womanhood. Um, <laughs> but Yosef is different because he's the father of a daughter. And that leads us to our final feminism fail of the episode, which is Yosef kind of repeatedly invoking his daughter as proof of his good character, as proof of his uh, worthiness to be a partner to a woman. And as proof that he would not be a liar or a cheater or a sketchy person, um, you know, it's the use of your child as as a reputational booster for for you is a really kind of tempting thing to do. Maybe clearly a lot of people like to do it. If you've been watching the Amy Coney Barrett hearings, it may sound familiar. But um, being a parent to a person with any sort of marginalized identity does not mean that you're a virtuous person. It doesn't even mean you're, you know, the right parent for that child um, necessarily. But it certainly doesn't mean that you're an inherently good person. And to use them as a tool to prove that you are to other people is is troubling. It's a little exploitative. Um, it suggests that you are, like, weaponizing something that causes challenges for them or that could cause discrimination against them um, for your own benefit. And I found that really off-putting. I would like to see this like whole discourse die, uh, frankly. So I'm going to give that a five. I mean, guys, Mitch McConnell is also the father of daughters. So just going to leave that there. Yeah, it's true. It doesn't actually do anything to you (laughs) inherently. Um, and it doesn't mean you should be like, how many people have you met who are like, my parents 
hurt me. You know, right. <laughs> my parents didn't know how to, and that, you know, that's not an assumption that we want to make about anyone, no, 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 no. that they're a bad parent, but it's certainly not impossible. Let's just put it that way. Right. The point is, it really says nothing about you except for the fact that you have a child. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's all it says. You have, you, the fact that you have a child means that you are a person with a child. And on that note, you know, I think that's it for Here to Make Friends. We're so glad to be back. Thanks so much to our guest, Alyssa Mastromonaco, and our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to recap the second episode of The Bachelorette.